Hi, everyone. Happy Wednesday night. I'm going to start with a reading from this book uh, called Love and Law. As many of you know, we're slowly working our way through a chapter or two at a time over the last few months. And I wanted to start by, uh, with a short reading here. If you could realize the tremendous law of attraction that holds everything in its place, then it all can be yours. It is yours, this gift. It is the divine birthright of every living soul. But we constrain ourselves by the thoughts of limitation. Now, today, we must open up the doors of our consciousness and expand and expand and no longer think in terms of the backyard lot, but to move into the infinite nature of the universe itself. So we're going to be talking about the law of attraction tonight, and uh, it was a little bit of a hesitation that I thought we would do this topic. Number one, because, right, you've seen it on Oprah, you've seen the movie, you've got the cliff notes for it. Is there, in fact, is there anyone in the room here who doesn't know what the law of attraction is? Right, that's what I thought. <laughs> okay, so I am going to take a little bit of a different tact tonight. I'm going to assume that you already know about this idea that thoughts become things. I'm going to assume that you already know that as we, we put out there in our own consciousness, in our own mind, thoughts of love and life and so on and so forth, we can expect to get those things back. And if instead our consciousness is one of lack or despair, well, unfortunately, the law of attraction will bring those to us as well. So where am I going to go tonight? I'm going to start with a science experiment because I think we ought to have a visual around how this works. And I think Christine uh, offered up that she would come up and help me. Are, are we still good with this? All right. You'll, you'll be my, my lovely assistant? All right. So has everyone seen a tuning fork before? You know, in the olden days, actually not even that old, <laughs> probably, uh, but in the olden days, people like piano tuners and guitarists and people like that needed a consistent way of getting a perfect pitch. And of course, metal over time doesn't bend. Metal is a really good way of getting a pitch. And this one happens to be, a, I think, a C. But most of you probably can't hear this. Uh, this is a, a fairly small-scale one for a, a person like, well, and see, pianos don't even need to be tuned anymore. That's why you probably aren't familiar with these. But this one you can't hear. But you'll have to trust me that, that when I tap it, we'll get a C. And you can hear it really clearly next to your ear. And if you were tuning a piano, this would be perfect for learning how to tune the piano. So why do I have two of them? Well, one of the things that was discovered a long time ago is that tuning forks have this unique property of finding their mates out in the world, finding other things that will resonate at the same frequency. And so, even though nothing's going on with Christine's tuning fork right now, if I get mine started and hold it up next to hers and put it up to your ear now, you'll be able to hear that, uh, well, okay, Faint, faintly, yeah, faintly. And probably whacking on this poor podium isn't the best idea. Anyway, let's, uh, let's use some cement here. You can? All right, all right, well, oh, it's vibrating. All right, well, anyway, if anyone wants to see the experiment uh, later on, it, it actually does work. 
The reason I wanted to do this is it illustrates a couple things. First of all, do I really think that my thought processes do some vibration that goes out into the world and finds the things and draws them in? Well, it probably doesn't work like a tuning fork. I mean, a good scientist will tell you that's actually vibrations in the air, and you know, my thoughts aren't creating some vibration in the air. We don't really know how it works. But the tuning forks do illustrate a couple things that I want to highlight for you, and that is, take a look at them. They're pretty identical, aren't they? And that is the other idea that is born in the law of attraction, because it's also stated that like attracts like. In fact, I've also heard the law of attraction said to be birds of a feather flock together, right? So my question is... How do we attract something that we aren't already? Now, we, we have a room full of metaphysicians here. Everyone here knows about the law of attraction. We know that if we want to uh, usher in something, if we want to attract something, that in fact we have to kind of become that thing. And my question to you all, and, and this is a devilish question, I think. My question is, how can we become something that we aren't yet? How can we really understand something that we're only kind of wishing we had or, or wishing for the experience of it? How can we really embrace something that we haven't experienced yet? And for those of you who think you have mastered the law of attraction, I have a test for you. We're going to take a test. Oh, you're going to hate you came tonight, but we'll have a little fun. All right, so listen up. These are the questions. Answer them silently in your own head. They're just like ABC, right? So no essays involved. This will be pretty easy. But uh, yeah, I know. And no math. Absolutely no math. Okay, you ready? All right, first question. You really want a new car, and you've looked around, and you've decided that the Toyota Camry would be just right. Well, naturally, the law of attraction would say, you start seeing the darn things everywhere on the highway. And when you see that Toyota Camry in the traffic, how do you feel? A, luxurious, picturing yourself behind the wheel, or B, sad and a little envious because someone else has it? Question number two. You want a promotion at work. Now, you're better qualified than many of the people in management. You have more experience than most of the people who have already been there for many years. And when you see one of the managers handling a different situation, you feel, A, a little bit critical. You know that you could probably handle it better. Or B, supportive, because managers should help each other. Next question. You wish to be in a long-term committed relationship. It's been some time, but you know that you're ready to experience that joy and that love and all of its complexity. And when you think of this potential relationship, you feel, A, that intense yearning for a soulmate, or B, the playful thoughts of day-to-day -day living with a partner. Next question. You wish to experience more peace and more harmony in your relationship to your family. You're ready to let the past be the past and move forward into something new. And so when you think of meeting your family, you feel, A, nervous, will they accept this newness in you? Or B, confident, you know that you're a great person, irresistible to everyone, including your family. Do you see how this is going? I have a couple more of these questions. 
The trouble with the law of attraction is that so often we're actually attracting the lack of something because that's what we're used to. When we want the new job, right, we picture the job, we imagine it, we think of the benefits it would have, we think of the flexible hours, we think of the great pay, we, we think of all the things we want in it, and then we pine for it. We set up this kind of longing, wishful longing. I don't even know the right words for it, but do you see we're actually celebrating the absence of it. We've clearly defined what it is, and unfortunately, we've clearly defined that we don't have it. <laughs> and we do the same thing with relationships that we want. We do often the same thing with, uh, uh, with luxury out in the world. We'll, we'll imagine to ourselves, my gosh, I want to have a great home, and I know this law of attraction works, and there's no reason that I shouldn't have a fabulous home. And I, I plot it out in my head. I build a mental equivalent. I do all the things that Ernest Holmes says I should do. I practically could tell you how to drive up into the driveway, but you know what? When I think of it, it's more with envy than it is with actually having it. It's more with that wishful, hopeful feeling of someday that could be mine than it is, yeah, I'm driving into the driveway. It's mine. The trouble is there's a little formula for using the law of attraction, and it isn't just thoughts become things. Now, I know that's what Ernest Holmes says, and I know you can look that up in several of his books, and I, I won't deny that that's part of the formula, but there's also a plus in there. It's thoughts plus emotion equals a manifestation, equals that thing that you desire. And if you do not have the right emotion to go with it, if you are not willing to really accept and embrace and, and feel the goodness of it before you get it, if you're not willing to really accept in your heart that this new experience, this new way of being, this, uh, this new whatever it is you want to be different, if it's not in your heart as though you already had it, oh my gosh, we're so apt to just create more lack. We're so apt to go into that place of pining and wanting and, and feeling it. We're so apt to, to focus on the bills that come in our life, whether they be actual bills or, or whether they be the metaphysical ones. When our bank account, whether it be the uh, physical bank account, whether it be our health, whether it be, a, I don't know, a metaphorical bank account like, like love or something like that. When we've written a few bad checks, that's the state of our consciousness. And, and when we're in the consciousness of lack, when we're in the consciousness of sadness or despair, it doesn't really make any difference. The mental equivalent we create in words in our head of what we'd like to be doing because really, if we go back to our formula, we might have a lovely, positive mental equivalent, and then we add in the negative emotion, and it just zeroes itself out. You know, maybe we are going to do a little math tonight. <laughs> a positive and a negative are just apt to cancel themselves out. So this is why, friends, even though all of us know about the law of attraction, I would say few of us have probably mastered it. And I know some of you will come up afterwards and, and explain that your lives are going pretty darn good, and, and mine is too. I mean, I do think that often I get this right. I get this idea that God wants me to be blessed, 
and I accept it. And most days I just do fine with that. And you know what? It's the, the devils in the details, as they say. The, the, the ability, especially in areas of my life where I don't have a lot of confidence, that's where that lack of confidence rears its ugly head. And so often I seemingly then fail at the law of attraction. And it isn't that the law has failed. It isn't that, that, uh, that somehow it's working for other people and not me. It's that I don't have that, that missing part of the equation. I don't have the ability to really accept that thing that maybe I most want because it's the wanting that I'm feeling and not the having. So let's move forward. I have some ideas around this. I think I have some solutions to this problem. And even the naughty ones, even the things that maybe we've dreamed about for years and years and years that have had that elusive quality, that, that ability to draw us down the wrong path into that path of longing again or wanting again or, or seeing the void rather than seeing it filled. And I would suggest to you that it's as easy as research and rehearsal. So let's talk about these for a minute. First of all, research. If you want to live like a millionaire, you better do some research around how millionaires live. If you want to be in a 45-year wedded bliss with someone, maybe you need to hang out with some people that have pulled that off in an amazing way. If you want to have the best job on the planet, have you interviewed a lot of people that are truly happy in their jobs to see what their thought processes are? If you want to achieve something wonderful in school, have you hung out with some people with excellent study habits and that have a great track record at taking classes in school? Have you actually researched your heart's desire? Because if you haven't, if you're just making up your own thoughts about what it is, you can never raise beyond those thoughts. The thoughts you have around any particular area in your life are right now using the law of attraction to create your life right now. So if you want your life to be different, then the thoughts around those aspects of your life also have to be upgraded, have to be improved, and they're not actually very likely to come from your own thinking because you haven't <laughs> been there yet. You haven't done that yet. You haven't experienced that yet. That level of bliss hasn't been there for you, and so let us be willing to actually do some research. People love being mentors. At least that's my experience. I have gone up to any number of people over the years and said, you know, this is kind of new to me. When I first, it's interesting you, that you mentioned my glass fusing hobby. I remember the first time I went into a, a fused glass studio and I thought, this stuff is amazing. I would love to do this. But when I looked at the price of the equipment and like I could, I could take classes for it, but oh my gosh, it was like years and years and years and years, I found a mentor. I had no idea how to put it all together. And I'm suggesting that we do the same no matter what it is. You want to be a better parent? Find someone who is an outstanding parent and, and ask her or him, would you be my mentor? If you want to have a better marriage, find, find a couple that is just dynamite after many, many years of being together and ask them, what are your secrets? What are your thought processes? What, what keeps you excited in each other? You know, do you have date night? Do you do this? You know, what, what's it like for you? 
Instead, what do we do? We're using our tuning forks, if you'll pardon me, and we have attracted to us the people that are already like us. So, so the people that tend to have the, the same kind of economic lifestyle, uh, those tend to be our friends. The people that parent the way we parent tend to be our friends. The, the people that uh, uh, have relationships similar to the kinds of relationships that we are tend to be our friends because the law of attraction says... Birds of a feather will flock together. If you want to flock differently, <laughs> I have to be very careful with my diction here tonight. <laughs> if you want to experience something different, it may require different people. It may require different attitudes. It may require actually getting out a bit of your old life and move into newness. There may be old friends that need to be released or at least put on the back burner. You may, may need to go out of your way to befriend people unlike you in order to do a little research. The next thing I want to talk about today is rehearsal. Because uh, after you've done your research, uh, it's time to start practicing a little bit. Now, what does that mean? To me, that means acting a bit as if. It certainly means running through my head the rehearsal of what my life is going to be like because that's the missing piece of the equation. That's the, that's the uh, upgraded ideas and feelings from the heart. If I want to experience a long-term relationship filled with love, I better start feeling that love, even if I have to rehearse it. Even if perhaps I'm using my own creative abilities to put on an emotion, to put on a thought process, to kind of advance me a little bit forward in my head, even before the world is cooperating with the evidence of it, it may require us to pretend a little bit. Uh, are any of the folks here actors? A couple of us. All right. Is it lying to have a role on the stage? Oh, so, Tara say, yeah, maybe so. No. <laughs> I want to give you permission to lie to yourself. That's where I'm going with this. I want you to be okay with saying, you know what? Right now, the physical situation in my life could be improved. But what I know is my thoughts can go beyond that. My passion can go beyond that. My belief in myself and the potentiality of the future can go beyond that. And I can begin thinking like that millionaire. I can begin thinking like that person that's been in a loving relationship for 25 years. I can begin thinking like the person that has that better job, the, the person that has the better connection to God, that whatever, you know, whatever it is that I, I view myself in the future of being able to do or to, to have or to experience that's greater than what I have now, I'm going to play act a little bit, at least in my own head, as though I already have it. That's what takes, in, takes us out of that position of longingness. It's, it's what takes us out of that wishful, hopeful idea of something that's unlikely to ever come, even though we've pictured it well. It puts it in our heart. It puts it in that position of acceptance because we begin feeling that we already have it. 
we begin sensing that the, really my car is going to go into that garage of that nicer house. We begin perhaps even getting up a little earlier so that when we get to work, we walk by the supervisor's cube and kind of like, hmm, that's interesting. That could be my chair. We begin feeling the, the ideas and the ways of being that are in congruence, that are, that are resonating with the same frequency as what we want to experience. You know, usually, usually I start out with a joke. <laughs> and today I'm going to end with a joke, I think. The greatest story ever told. After an amazing career, the greatest movie director who ever lived, still in his prime and preparing for his most ambitious project ever, is suddenly killed, called home to heaven. St. Peter meets him at the gate. So sorry about your untimely death, he tells the director. But you know, God himself has called you home. You see, God wants you to direct a movie. The great man is humbled. God wants me to direct a film. Oh, yes, said St. Peter. And we've arranged to have the best of everything. For example, the script is by William Shakespeare. Wow, says the director, and your production designer will be Michelangelo. We have Leonardo da Vinci doing the sets. Your musical score will be by Mozart, and your leading man is Sir Laurence Olivier. Well, the director can't believe it. This is incredible, he says. This will truly be the greatest story ever told. Now, who's playing the leading lady? Well, St. Peter kind of shuffles his feet a little bit. Well, he says, we, we do have one little issue. You see, he whispers, God's got this girlfriend. <laughs> I want to suggest that we are God's girlfriend. I would like you for a moment in your heart to recognize that God would cast us in that role of a lifetime easily if we could but accept it. The best, truly, for us, regardless of what our lives have been up till now, regardless of whether we were born into poverty or have struggled all our lives, regardless of, of anything in the past, God would be willing to cast us in the story of a lifetime, in the role of such poignant beauty, to experience such love and such joy, to, to have the magnificence and the comfort that would truly be the making of a movie to endure. That is what is for us if we are willing. The formula is a simple one. It is the thought plus the emotion will outpicture as your heart's desire God is willing. Are you willing? I'm going to close tonight with another quote from Love and Law. The thought forms which we have created and which we have surrounded ourselves are mental beliefs underneath and the results of our objective thinking these are the power of attraction or repulsion which the individual mentally sets up in our mind 
and in our heart. Your life and mine depend upon our thought. Who we are as well as what we shall have in our health or our wealth or our peace of mind will be the result of the accumulation of our thinking, always. It could not be anything else. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence. There is one life and, and one goodness. It is that, that infinity of all that I call God, but, but regardless of its name, truly it is the entire universe, a universe of love, of life, of of health and perfection, a, a universe of, a, of abundance and joy, a universe filled with peace. This is God, and I know that I'm in that universe. I've, I've been cast in, in one of the primary roles, as, as has everyone been in this sanctuary and beyond. Each of us, truly, with that ability to be the hero of our own story, the the the, uh, well, whatever it is, uh, whether it's the, the king of the story or, or, or the, the charming one, whether it is the, the wealthy one or the clever one, each one of us has the ability to, to co-create with God that enduring story of luxury, of life, of love and peace, truly of our heart's desire. And so with each passing day, I know that there's a willingness upon our parts to look not only at the mental equivalence, but also what our heart is saying, to begin directing through research and rehearsal our ability to truly accept the good, to welcome it in, to begin uh, pre-acting it, if you will, to begin even fibbing to ourselves to let us know that we are worthy and so also with each passing day, I simply know that our arms reach wider, our hearts open to accept God's love. I'm grateful for this. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you so much for being here tonight.